Hello and welcome to Spiraling Upwards, where we are in pursuit of real holiness of life as a daily response to grace in the companionship of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the love of God the Father. I am Father Robert Healy, and I am delighted to welcome you to Episode 6. Today we will be talking about making resolutions. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, ah, he's going to talk about New Year's resolutions. It's January. Of course, we have a new year. Well, not exactly. That's not exactly what I want to talk about today. Nor is it even the reason why we're talking about resolutions today. It's kind of handy. But uh, actually, in the progression of what we've been talking about over the last several weeks, we've been talking about how to prepare for prayer and then what to do when we are in prayer, what, how to spend time, what to think about in the moment that I am present with Christ. But the natural next step in such a discussion is to say, what do I do after prayer? How do I end my prayer and how do I carry out from my, my prayer something that will be beneficial? So the spiritual masters often speak about prayer as uh, needing to end with and even being focused upon making a good resolution. Why is that? Well, because when I come and I spend time with our Lord, I need to not only think about the fact that He wants to be present to me, which is what we talked about last week, but also that He wants to impact my whole life. That it's not just He wants one hour of my time and then I can go do whatever I like, but that in fact, He wants to spend the time with me that I come to pray with him in such a way that it impacts the entirety of my life going forward. The way that I see myself, the way that I act, the way that I think, the way that I speak and treat other people, the way that I think about him. He wants to build. He wants to build on who I am and to make me someone better in and through my prayer. Just like a builder of a house doesn't want to start over every single time, nor does he just put things in places uh, randomly. But he does it all very intentionally because unless he puts this 2 by 4 here and this uh, metal uh, bracket here that's going to hold the, uh, you know, this truss up or whatever, he's not actually going to continue something. Every time he comes to work... He's going to be doing something new, but it won't actually build on anything that came before it. And in order to make progress, in order to build the whole house, the builder needs to actually make progress from one thing to another. To take a natural and logical step, one, and then two, and then three. So maybe this day he's working on, on this support, but then the next day he's building on that. And so our natural intention for prayer should always be to build on what came before and to build on our prayer as we go forth from prayer. So if I am praying at, at 2 in the afternoon, I would see my time before 2 o'clock as being time of preparation, which we talked about preparation, and during my time of prayer to see that as something which is intended to build me into a better man and to send me forth after my prayer into the rest of the afternoon and the evening so that I can be a better man because of my encounter with Jesus Christ. And not only that, but then it gives me an opportunity at the end of the day when I'm preparing myself for bed 
to, to rehearse in my mind, what was it that I resolved? What was it that I did in my prayer? And how did I do? You see, and this is where making a good resolution comes in. Let's give an example um, in order to uh, really access what we're doing here. And to just because of the time, but also because it's fitting for what we're talking about, i like to share with you from St. Matthew's second chapter, uh, verse 7 and following. Um, this is when the wise men have come to Jerusalem seeking the king of the Jews. They're saying, where is the newborn king of the Jews? And Herod is not happy. And the reason Herod is not happy, of course, is because he knows he hasn't just had a son, and he's wondering who on earth is this upstart that they are looking for. And um, and so this is the context leading up to it. Of course, we are just a couple days away from the Feast of Epiphany, in which we celebrate the coming of the wise men to Bethlehem, where they encounter the baby Jesus and his mother Mary, and then they go away by a different way, in a different state, not just physically, but spiritually. Let's read chapter 2, verse 7 of St. Matthew's Gospel. Then, summoning the wise men in secret, Herod questioned them closely. Let's just notice for a moment. He summoned them in secret. Hmm. Why doesn't he want anybody else to know what he's asking them and what they're telling them? Hmm. Then, summoning the wise men in secret, Herod questioned them closely upon the time of the stars appearing. And he sent them on their way to Bethlehem, saying to them, Go and inquire carefully for the child. And when you have found him, bring me back words, so that I too may come and worship him. They obeyed the king and went on their journey. And all at once the star which they had seen in the east was there, going before them, till at last it stood still over the place where the child was. They, when they saw the star, were glad beyond measure. And so going into the dwelling, they found the child there with his mother Mary and fell down to worship him. And opening their store of treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Afterwards, because they had received a warning in a dream, forbidding them to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by a different way. So there you go. You've got verses 7 to 12 of the second chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel. And I think that this story is rich. Well, there's so much we could meditate upon. There's so much we could draw our focus upon. We could look at Herod and the secrecy and the darkness of his heart as he's asking them questions in a seeming ignorance and a seeming innocence uh, of uh, all that might happen when they come back to tell them where this child is. And all of the dark and hateful things that he's thinking about this baby that he has never met, that they're searching for with such joy. And we could think about the joy. You know, they see the star going for them and it fills them with great joy. And then it stops over the place where the child is. And they're filled with, as as I said, they were glad beyond measure. And so going into the dwelling, they found the child there with his mother Mary. This is beautiful, this depiction of the Christian who comes into the presence of Jesus and Mary to worship him and finds him in the arms of his mother. Of course, that's where she always is. She's always drawing us to her son. She's always pointing us the way to him. And so even as the star, star is going to bring us to the door, it's Mary who's going to say, 
in our response to, is, is this the child who's going to say, yes, this is he, this is the Son of God? More than anybody, she's the one who knows who he is. She knows where he came from. She was literally the only person there when the angel Gabriel appeared to her and asked her if she'd be the mother of God. And so there's so much that we could meditate upon. Even just the gifts, the gifts that the wise men give him, gold and frankincense and myrrh, gold for a king, frankincense for a god, and myrrh for one who is to be buried or to be married. As a matter of fact, myrrh was a deliciously beautiful fragrance, uh, you know, mixed usually into an ointment um, such that... uh, such that the ointment was very fragrant. You might use that on a very festive occasion, or you might use it in the burial of, uh, of someone. Um, we, we are actually told later on in the Gospel of St. John that uh, they, they brought with them aloes and myrrh to anoint his body for burial. And, um, and then, of course, frankincense is the gift that, uh, that that's the thing that is burned in sacrifice. Every day, actually, during the uh, time of the Jewish temple in Jerusalem, every single day, the high, one of the priests was chosen by lot to go into the temple and offer a sacrifice, and that sacrifice was to burn incense upon the little golden altar in the holy place before the curtain that curtained off where the Ark of the Covenant was in the presence of Almighty God. And so not only was incense, the burning of incense a sacrifice that all the pagan peoples uh, observed. It was also something which was in the regular practice of God's people um, uh, in in Judaism, and it's something that's brought into uh, Christianity at every uh, not every mass, but very frequently at the Holy Mass. Um, incense is used to represent the faith, the prayers of the faithful rising up to heaven as a sweet smelling sacrifice before God. So there's so much we can meditate upon here today. And there's so much that could be used by us for the sake of meditation. Um, And not only for the sake of meditation, but then from that meditation, for the sake of making a good resolution. So if I'm focusing myself during the time I'm praying upon how the wise men dropped everything to go, and they see the star and they recognize what it represents to them, they leave their homes, their families, their jobs, whatever it was that was detaining them, whatever it was that they left away in Persia or in Arabia or Babylon, wherever they came from across the desert, they don't have it with them. They're here in Jerusalem and then now here in Bethlehem, having left home behind them in order to seek out the very uh, king of kings who has been born in Jerusalem the king of the Jews, uh, and offer him these princely gifts. It's a wonderful thing to meditate upon. Well, if that is the substance of my meditation, I might make as my resolution, dear Lord, please help me. Every time I realize it's time for me to pray, to drop what I'm doing and pray, and not to put it off and say, well, you know, I'm not ready to pray right now, or, oh, I'm in the middle of something, I'll do that later. And uh, this can be a great temptation especially if we're kind of embroiled in something. Um, what, is a, what is the best way to, um, to set aside what I'm doing when it's time to pray? Well, it, it, to set it aside. <laughs> to tell myself there's something about the prayer that's much more valuable than what I'm doing. 
that it's actually much better for me to drop what I'm doing and go pray than finish what I'm doing and then go pray later and maybe never get around to it. And so, just in the same way, uh, the wise men recognize there is something better than their whole life that they're living, wherever it is that they come from. And it's worth getting on their camel and going across the desert with all the preparation and all the work and everything that goes into that, and going to a foreign country and having to try to use translators to get to figure out what they need to say, and finding out where this newborn king of the Jews is to worship him. And their worship, their, their, all of the efforts are rewarded most handsomely by God. Well, that might be my resolution, dear Lord. Simply, I, I resolve by your grace. Uh, I, de- I, I desire to stop what I'm doing and pray when, it, when I realize it's time to pray. When I have an opportunity present itself, my guardian angel goes, can I knock, knock, knock? Hey, have you prayed yet today? I don't say, oh, I'm in the middle of something. I'll come back to that later. And I say, okay, I'm going to drop this. This will wait. This will wait. I need to go pray right now. And then I'll come back to this refreshed because I've met God. And you see, from everything we talked about last week and how the time of prayer is intended to be an encounter with Emmanuel, God with us. So, like the wise men, um, we go home by a different route. We're not going back to Herod. We recognize what we didn't know before. The wise men didn't know Herod was going to kill him. They didn't know Herod hates this newborn king of the Jews, that he is telling him, because he's told them, come back and tell me so I can go worship them. A liar. And so they are saying, oh, well, we're, we're going to go back and tell Herod so he can come. They have no idea until they are warned in a dream and we are even given that afterwards, because they had been re- they had received a warning in a dream, forbidding them to go back to Herod. God doesn't want to leave any doubts in their minds as to whether they should go back to Herod or not. This isn't something where they've been just humming and hawing over it, going, "Should we go? Should we not? Maybe we're not going to go. I don't think we should go." The angels literally telling them, or God is actually communicating to them. We're not entirely sure whether it was an angel appeared to them or just a dream that was very clear. But in any case, it was so clear they understood that Herod meant ill toward the child, and they didn't go back to him. But not only did they not go back to Herod, they go back to their own country. It is their own country. They're going home, but they go back by a different way. And that is intended to be understood by us, not just in a physical sense, like they took Main Street instead of Broadway, or they took, you know, I-35 instead of taking, you know, I-44. That, no, what is happening is an interior transformation. When they've encountered Christ in the arms of his mother, when they found, found the baby who is the King of kings, the Lord of the lords, the Son of God, and they've worshipped him, it must change their lives. They have to go back home, but they have to go home changed. And every time I come to pray and I ask myself, why am I still so frustratingly 
grouchy about this or that, or angry about this, or why do I get so perturbed by this, or why am I, do I still have this bad habit, or do I have that bad habit? If I really encounter Christ and allow Him to change me, it ought to change my life on all sorts of practical ways. This is something we're going to talk about in the ensuing weeks. Coming, Starting next week and going forward, we're going to talk a little more about virtue and what the Church understands by virtue, what it means, as opposed to kind of the general way people think of virtue in our society. Oh, he's being virtuous. What do they mean by that? Not what we mean. Okay, and then And then we're going to talk about how to make that resolution that we're making in prayer build us up in that virtue, in these virtues. But uh, all over, you see, it's very fitting. God has been guiding all these things. It's very fitting that we be talking about this as we're getting to the Feast of Epiphany. Epiphany, which means the manifestation, the making visible, the, make, the setting forth before everybody of the divine goodness uh, of what God is doing in the world. And this is represented by the fact that three strangers from absolutely nowhere uh, on the, in the known world of, of Mary and Joseph, at any rate, these are people come clear out of the blue who are saying, where is he? Where is he? We've come because we followed the star, and the star has lead us, led us here. And is this the baby? And she says, of course it is. And they're on their faces before him. Isn't it beautiful? This is what should happen when we come to pray. And you know what? The more I allow it to happen, the more I make a good resolution at, at the end of my prayer, and then I start living that resolution, I can come back at the end of the day and say, how did I do? My resolution was, you know, oh, maybe my resolution was to make a resolution. Did I make a good resolution for my prayer? Am I resolved tomorrow to do this differently? Am I going to say, a word of thanks at the end of the day. Well, now is the time, you know? Whatever that resolution is that you feel called to make at the end of prayer, you see, it's something that's coming from the prayer, something coming from the encounter with Christ, that I, my eyes are open and I see Herod for who he is, and I'm not going back to him. And my eyes are opened also to see my own home country for what it is, as a place where I am to go and to live differently and to love Christ, and allow him to be king. 